Well, Dean was already flipping through scripture, so perhaps he is uh, set apart. He'll be called uh, to pastor and teach God's word. Uh, it's, uh, it's just a blessing to see when, uh, when young men and young women give themselves to the Lord and, uh, and you see them start serving the Lord at, at an early age. And um, so, uh, we're here today to hear from the Lord. We're here to uh, see what he has to say to you and I, uh, his children. And so, we're going to continue in our study through the book of Luke, or through the gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 11, and we're going to be going through verses 14 through 23. So Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 23, the title of this morning's message is With Jesus or Against Him. With Jesus or Against Him. So let's begin by reading Luke chapter 11 and verse 14. It says, Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Father, we have heard this before. We know this to be true. And yet, you desire that it would be further established in our own hearts. That we would not be a people who are divided in our affections. Who are not creating idols to worship and place above you. But we desire to be a people who are completely given to you, devoted, committed Trusting in you alone. Father, that we also may understand your power, your desire, your faithfulness, and the love that you have for us. That we would be a people who are completely consecrated unto you. apart from the world, and together with you. And so we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning, that you would give us understanding, and that you would teach us these things, Lord, that we may glorify you by the manner of our life. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we read that and as we've come to know Jesus and the love that he does have for us, it's amazing to think that anyone would accuse Jesus of colluding with Satan. To see a miracle done by Jesus with your own eyes and yet turn around and say, that miracle that was just performed was accomplished by demonic powers. This is something that we ought to consider ourselves as the world around us explains things in such a way that they say the very same thing. Trying to discount those things of God and give credit to Satan for anything that's of any benefit to you. Jesus, as we'll see, responded with truth. Jesus would simply explain to them that Satan has been overpowered. That he would not be overpowered by Satan or any demonic force and simply explain that that which is true about the spiritual realm. It's not something of a mystery anymore to us as God has explained to us in his word the activity of the spiritual realm around us and how it is that we are to engage in the spiritual realm as we believe and trust in the Lord. Know that there is activity in the spiritual realm seeking the Lord, praying to him and trusting in him and knowing that There is no one greater than our God. Not only did Jesus explain what is true about demons, but he also explained what is true about those who seek signs. There are a lot of sign seekers today. It seems like uh, we're drawn to sensationalism. Even within the church, I believe sometimes we can be distracted With all of these things, the the signs of the times, we've been told what the signs of the times will be in the last days. But I think we can get too wrapped up in those details and not keep our eyes on the Lord. There are so many people today who are enamored with demons and darkness. There are too many people who look for signs to guide their lives instead of looking to God in whom is wisdom, in whom there is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The world not only twists reality, that is truth, but the world is living in a world of deception. But that shouldn't come to surprise you in any way, shape, or form. It is by design we were forewarned that these things were coming. You see, Satan desires to keep people in a state of confusion, in a state of delusion, believing that reality is what you make it to be. 
And he encourages you to not only think about it, but also live in that world of confusion and delusion as if that is what's going to bring you satisfaction, contentment, and happiness. And yet, time and time again, you come to realize if you give yourself to that, that it is empty. There's no value to it. There's no substance to it. It's all vanity. It's fleeting. And so Jesus states the reality. That is the truth about demons and signs. And what I pray we understand is that we are either with Jesus or we understand if we're not with Jesus. And this is what we need to come to. That we are against him. As he said in Luke eleven twenty three, whoever's not with me is against me. It's a statement of truth. It's not just someone's opinion, but it's the very word of God. But in John 3.16, he says, but whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so we know that what he desires is that we come to believe in Jesus Christ, that we may know forgiveness of sins, eternal life in Jesus Christ, and one day be with him in all of his glory. With the understanding that we are either with Jesus or against him. That we would also understand how much God loves us. That he's already demonstrated his love toward you. And that while you were, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's always what should draw us unto the Lord. To compel us to surrender our lives to him just once more. To consider him above all. If we're lukewarm, that we would repent of those things. That we would be passionate about him, zealous about bringing him glory. If we don't know him, that his kindness would draw us to him. That understanding that he desires to forgive you of your sins. And to assure you of salvation and eternal life would compel you to give your life to him. But rest assured that in the midst of something good that the Lord is doing in your life, there is also Satan there to attempt to infuse confusion into the midst of that situation. And that's what we see at the very beginning here as we see how it is that Jesus healed this man who was mute, and he spoke. And the people knew that he was mute, and he spoke. And yet, in that moment, and Jesus was present right there, Satan infused confusion into that moment. If you think that your situations or your moments or your life is any different, keep in mind that Jesus was present physically right there, the Son of God, And yet Satan was able to infuse confusion into that moment. Think about that. If he's able to do that with him present, what is he able to do with you? Verse 14 again, it says, Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man 
spoke. And the people marveled, but some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. Listen, this is not the first time that Jesus performs a miracle and then is immediately accused of being in league with Satan. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 32, it says, As they were going away, behold, a demonic, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 22, <clears throat> It says, And a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. So it wasn't something that was new. It was something that happened often. People who are surrounding Jesus weren't all looking to him as the Son of God. There are also those who were doing the works of Satan himself. This now is another miracle of deliverance that others witnessed the Lord do. And this very act drew to the forefront Jesus' enemies. What happened is he was accused of colluding, of working with Satan to perform this very miracle. And we see here perhaps three responses because number one, we see that the people marveled. They were filled with wonder. They were in, in absolute amazement that this mute man was now able to speak. We have another response, though, in that there were some people who attributed this miracle having been done through the power of Satan. Beelzebul is, uh, means uh, the ruler of demons. So, who's the ruler of demons? It's Satan. But we have another response to this. They were all in amazement. They were all in awe. Some attributed this miracle to the power of Satan. And then others wanted Jesus to be further proved by seeing more signs from heaven. We want to see more signs. The bottom line is, Satan was in this place in this situation, infused into this event, causing confusion. And Jesus, as we see here, knowing their thoughts, simply explained what was true. What was true regarding what had just happened in the spiritual realm. When he cast out this demon from this man and and his speech came back to him, and he, he was able to speak, he simply explained, explained, this is the reality of what just happened. 
And he begins by telling them in verse 17, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? He begins by saying that where there was confusion among the people, Jesus was explaining to them what was true, to clarify, to make sure that they understood that for them to be certain and not uncertain, to know there was order where there was disorder, to be understanding where there was confusion. That's what the Word of God does for us. Jesus, knowing the fullness of their thoughts, begins to explain by stating just some common knowledge. He was uh, presenting something that was logical to them. If he were to be casting out demons in the name of Satan, then wouldn't he be working against Satan? Just a question, right? Jesus would do this for them to reason. It's a good thing for us to do the very same thing when we're speaking to each other, when we're counseling a brother or sister in Christ. Oftentimes when you ask questions, they end up answering their own questions that they had. The confusion that they had in their own minds as you present scripture, does the word of God not say? And you give them the word. Yeah, it does. Oh, Jesus, he, he just simply asked them, if I were to be casting out demons in the name of Satan, then really I would be working against Satan. And he told them just something that they were very familiar with. It is certain that every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls. Take note, brothers and sisters, take note. A divided marriage will be laid waste at some point. It will fail and fall. A divided work of God will be laid waste and fall. A divided people will be laid waste and fall. And a divided church will be laid waste and fall. Romans 16, 17 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Not to be insensitive. This is not to be, uh, show a lack of compassion. But we are forewarned. A divided house will fall. Something that those who were opposing Jesus, who were questioning uh, the source of his power to cast out this demon, to make this mute man speak, was saying to them, you know this, a divided house will Fall. So how is it that I am doing this by the power of Satan to bring down Satan?
That's why Jesus was stating what was true about this about division. As he said, and if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? One thing is certain about Satan and his kingdom, he's not a fool. And he and his demons are united, orderly, and are working together, seeking to steal, kill, and destroy as many souls as they possibly can. And if you, th- if you think he's a fool, then you've been fooled by a fool. <laughs> you've been duped by someone who seeks to completely destroy you, bring you down. And you know that and you still allow him to do that. Who's the fool? Who's a fool? We are. If we knowingly allow him to do this, then that's what we need to confess and repent. We need to humble ourselves before God. Jesus was simply again stating what was true, and they knew this to be true. And then he brought up as far as their exorcists were concerned, because they did have Jewish leaders who would practice exorcism. He says in verse 19, If I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. He confronted them. Jesus, see Christianity is a faith of confrontation. If you didn't know that, just know that. Christianity is a faith of confrontation. The Lord confronts us every day. He confronts our sin. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. He confronts it so that we may deal with it. That we may continue in his work of sanctification in our lives. That we would more closely resemble his character and bring him glory. But he confronted them. And he said, if I perform these by the power of Satan... Then who do your sons perform exorcisms through and by? Is it him as well? No. Not at all. So he's stating the obvious. And then he shows them that one stronger than Satan has come and is before them. Verse 20 says, But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Through this statement, Jesus was declaring to them that he was stronger than Satan and had overthrown him in his work. It's just a fact. This is what happened. The work that Satan was doing in the life of this man is to make him mute. Jesus came and overwhelmed Satan, performed his work, that is the Lord's work, of delivering this man from the demon and giving him healing. And Satan couldn't do a thing about it. 1 Samuel 2.2 says, There's none like holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. 
Listen, we, we know that Jesus defeated Satan and disarmed him. According to Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That's why we ought to walk in that victory. We ought to walk in the Spirit. We ought to walk with full knowledge of God's Word that we may victoriously walk through life, not sinless, but certainly upright before the Lord and know the blessing of His peace and His hope, His power, and His will being done in our lives and through our lives. God is overall. And we know that besides him, there is no other. And this is what he was stating to those people who were questioning him. The one, I am the one who's overwhelmed Satan. He could do nothing about it. I love this. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I walk with him. This is what he can do. This is just one example of what he can do. We ought to walk in that. With confidence in him. And then in verse 23, Jesus says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Listen, another something that for us we need to just kind of think about. Can you imagine watching basketball, football, soccer, baseball, whatever sport, a team sport that uh, perhaps you enjoy watching? And something odd happens. You have um, a player from the other team uh, playing for the opposing team, and just kind of wherever they want to play, just back and forth, back and forth. You're wondering, what, what is happening here? You know, you're either on one team or the other, but why are you going back and forth between the two teams? That, it just seems, wouldn't that seem odd? Yes, right? Absolutely. How about... In time of war, battle. Imagine the guy that you're fighting next to. You're in the foxhole and you're being shot at. You're laying down some fire on a target. And all of a sudden he just gets up out and, and goes behind enemy lines and is now start, starting to shoot back at you. What just happened? Is that the norm? Is that what you would expect? The guy in the foxhole would say, uh, you're either for us or against us. There's, there's no in between, right? <clears throat> to be undecided is to be decided. To be unsure as to whether you choose to walk in the light or darkness is to be sure that you are walking in the darkness. To think that you are neutral is to be deceived and without understanding. No one is neutral. John 10, 10 said, uh, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. John 3.18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Listen, if you're undecided, Satan loves you. 
Satan loves an undecided person. A person who's sitting on that proverbial fence. I've said it time and time again. He loves an undecided person, a person who is sitting on the fence because he owns a fence. Remember the story of a friend of mine who <clears throat> he had some dogs and um, these were, does anyone have boxers? No. Well, pretty smart. And apparently in the backyard, um, there were some little critters that would walk on top of the, the fence. And in uh, one day, my friend said that he looked in his backyard and his dog was just waiting as this little critter was walking across the edge of the fence on top. Just watching, waiting until this little critter got to the middle of the fence. And as this thing got to the middle of the fence, he saw his dog running toward it. And he thought, oh no, he's going to jump up and grab him. Now you know what he did? He went up to the fence, he ran up. And he hit it. Bam! Guess what happened to that little critter? <laughs> Fell right down, right in front of him, grabbed him, and just trotted off. <laughs> Satan is just waiting for you to get into the middle of the fence and do the very same thing with you. All he has to do is give that fence a little nudge, have you drop, and you're his. There is no such thing as someone who is new, someone who is in the middle who I haven't decided, I'm trying to get more information. God loves you. He died for you. He paid for your sins in full. And to remain in your sin is to remain condemned and on your way to hell. That's your destination. There's nothing in between. What are you, what are you thinking about? If you want to go to hell or heaven, if I were to ask all of you, where do you want to go, heaven or hell, you'd say, I'll say heaven, but you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know if I want to do that. Why? What's the alternative? Eternal damnation. That's your alternative. Why would you choose that? You would do that willingly? It's because you've been deceived. You're confused. And that is the tactic, tactics of the, the enemy to do that very thing. Jesus says very clearly, whoever is not with me is against me. Jesus had just explained to everyone that he had overwhelmed Satan and cast out this demon from this man. And now he was putting this question before them. Are you with me or against me? Because if you're not with me, then you're with Satan. There's no in-between. But he continues in this lesson in demonic activity. Verse 24, he says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. 
this is Jesus again continues on with his with his uh, lesson, helping them to understand this is this is truly what happens. Uh, this is how demons work. They inhabit bodies. This is what they do, by which demons can cause maximum damage through thoughts, actions, and words that are in direct opposition to God. They serve through that body as antichrists in opposition to the Lord. And since they do the bidding of Satan, they serve at his pleasure to steal, kill, and destroy. They are liars, and their father is Satan, who is the father of lies, and has been from the very beginning. If God desires that none perish but all reach repentance, then they desire that all perish and no one reach repentance. You still on the fence? If God desires that you walk in the Spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, then Satan desires that you will walk in the flesh and fulfill the lust of the flesh. Just be happy. Whatever that takes, just be happy. Walk in the flesh. Feed your desires. Accumulate for yourself everything. Possessions, money, whatever it is that makes you happy. That's what Satan wants. Jesus wants you to walk in the Spirit. Trust in Him. Abide in His Word. The problem is that they want to be rid of their problems without being filled with God's Spirit. Many people want God to get them out of their troubles. but then at the same time refuse to walk in his light, in the truth. The principle of putting off and putting on is, is something that is well established with, within Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 is an example of this, to where the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians, saying, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, 
as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And so this is for us. It's something that is consistently common throughout Scripture. Putting off and then putting on. Running from and then running to. So Jesus was explaining to them that they should have been very familiar with. If a person remains empty without being filled with God's Spirit, that is in that place. It's a dangerous place to be, to be sitting in church week in and week out. Saying, I'm just here for my spouse. I'm just here because my friend has invited me. I'm just here because, you know... I like this young boy. I like this young girl. And uh, I'm here to impress them. It's dangerous for you. I'm telling you, it's dangerous for you to continually deny the Lord. To reject the offer of his salvation. Because you may learn some things that helps you clean up your life. Do the good things in life. Your house is swept and in order, your life, and yet you're, you're void of the Spirit of God. You've done these things you see in your own power. And perhaps God has done this work in your life that He may draw you unto Himself by His kindness, by how gracious He's been to you. And yet you just remain swept and clean, but empty empty you not fully committed to the Lord I tell you I've been there because I tried to do this in my own power what happened is seven other spirits came right in and wreaked havoc on my own life I hadn't devoted myself to the Lord. I hadn't given myself completely to Him. I see that with people who come and go. Well, the Lord has done a, an amazing work. Marriage is going in the right direction, yet one is not fully surrendered to the Lord. Hmm. Satan loves that. I've seen it over and over again. People who want the benefits of God helping them through their difficulties and yet are unwilling to surrender their lives to Jesus and end up more bitter, more angry, more miserable and depressed than they were before when the slightest of calamities hit their life. They don't have the Spirit. It's not because God has ceased to help them but because they left themselves vacant and open for demonic influence or possession to take effect. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm telling you because this is, this is what 
Jesus was explaining to them. This is a fact. This is what's true. This is reality. I'm not trying to be dramatic or sensational about this. Perhaps this will work to get you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. No, no, I'm not trying to coerce you. I'm just simply explaining to you what Jesus was explaining to them in that day. This This is reality. This is what's true. And and if you don't believe it, and if you want to learn by error, then I pray that the Lord would spare you and bring you to that point to where he allows you to go through it, you see it for what it is, and then you respond to the Lord and surrender your life to him. Either way, I pray for your salvation. Jesus is telling them this is how it works in the spiritual realm. This is how it works. But then we have this, uh, we hear this voice that is raised in the crowd. Verse 27, as we continue, says, as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So we go from a lesson in demonic activity to a lesson in idolatry. There are people who worship Mary, the mother of Jesus. Worship. I'm not talking about just respecting her. We all respect Mary. She has great honor in being chosen by God to carry the Son of God. Truly amazing. But we do not worship her. There are people who revere her. But take it to the point of seeing her and identify her as the co-redemptress. The co-redeemer with Jesus Christ. Even believe that she was assumed into heaven. That she didn't even die. That she was assumed into heaven. That her virginity was perpetual. Well, Jesus in scripture tells us that he had brothers and sisters. That were born to her. That type of belief is anti-biblical. It does not align with the word of God. And it is not something to just simply be dismissed but it is wicked. It is confusing. God is not the author of confusion. And the Bible very clearly says at the end of Revelation to not add or take away from the word of God. Period, right? It's not my opinion. It's what God has said in his word. It's wicked and confusing. It's led many people away from knowing salvation And has led many to hell. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say there's someone else. There's salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's only Jesus Christ. Jesus is our only advocate. He is the one who prays on our behalf. Who who petitions the Father on our behalf. In fact, we have access to the Father because of the Son. 
He is our advocate. He is the door. He is our good shepherd. He is our savior. He is our Lord. We do not demean or dishonor Mary, the mother of Jesus. As we see exemplified in Jesus' response, as he was not demeaning or dishonoring her in any way, shape, or form. He was just simply saying, more blessed are you who simply hear the word of God and obey it. More blessed are you. That's what he's calling us to do. Because if you do anything more than that with anyone, you are creating an idol. Putting someone in the place or something in the place that God deserves in your life. He no longer is preeminent. You diminish his place in your life. And so a lesson in idolatry as well. And lastly, a lesson on sign seeking. When the crowds, verse 29, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. A lesson on sign seeking. Oh. It's like we want to be fascinated, right? We, we, it seems like we chase sensationalism. Uh, just take a look at social media, the posts. People die um, because they put themselves in dangerous uh, situations and places so that uh, it would be more sensational than the last post that someone else had posted, that their post would go viral, right? They would get the most likes. Seems like we're, we're living at a time to where everyone, it's, it's like you need to be stimulated. Like things have to be just absolutely out of this world for you uh, to be content, satisfied. Why is the world taken by sensationalism? Because you're not resting in the peace that God can only give you through Jesus Christ. Always looking for something else. When you're walking with the Lord, you're content in Him. When you're fully given to Him. Yes, you do everything with excellence. But it's not the same. And it's not the same in a bad way. It's like, eh, yeah, I used to love those things and now I don't. Like as if that was something bad. Yeah, I kind of had to give that up. Like, wow, that's a drag. <laughs> no, it just doesn't have the same meaning anymore. Listen, people can be easily overcome by thoughts of anomalies. Uh, the strange, the abnormal, the divergence from what is normal. Even within the church, people can be more interested in figuring out who the Antichrist could possibly be than simply keeping your eyes on Christ and serving him. There's a lack of that in the church. Why, why don't we focus on that? 
Focus on learning to keep your eyes on Christ and walking with him. Quit looking for the Antichrist. In fact, we are, we believe, okay, as it is noted in the Bible, that we will be raptured. God's people are not given to wrath. And so, why look for the Antichrist when you won't be around for the Antichrist? Just look towards the clouds. I love cloudy days because he will come in the clouds. <laughs> Sound of the trumpet, cry of the archangel. So, I love it. It's cloudy. Clear days, oh well, maybe tomorrow, right? <laughs> but look up. People, we got to be, we got to fix our eyes on the Lord. We can't be allowing ourselves to be distracted with all kinds of other things. People kept asking Jesus for signs from heaven to prove that he was sent from God. But he tells them, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign. And the sign that Jesus said would suffice is that, listen, it's a sign of Jonah. I was buried for three days, or I will be buried for three days. And this is what happened with Jesus. He was buried for three days and was raised from the grave. That's enough. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse 3 says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That's of first importance. Listen, Jesus had already given them plenty of miracles to consider. He's already given us enough. His death, burial, and resurrection would be enough. That's it. And yet he gives us more. Because with these people, however many miracles he had performed was never enough. Show us one more and one more. You know that we're no different? Oh, yeah, I was believing in you, but, but you know if you do this for me, then I'll really believe in you. No, 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 you should, you should determine in your own heart. Do you believe him or not? Do you walk with him in faith or do you not? There's no in between. Remember, there's no fence. There's nothing neutral. There's nothing there. You're either with me, the Lord says, or against me. We are not to believe in signs. We are not to look to that and go, oh, that's what made me believe. No, no, we ought to just simply believe in Jesus. He should be the object of our faith. And what Jesus was pointing out to them is that both the queen of the south and the people of Nineveh were more open to the things of God than the, these people were that were questioning him. The object of their faith was before their eyes if they were to just place their faith in him. Something greater than Solomon was before them. Something greater than Jonah was right in front of their eyes. What's before you? Who is it that you will place your trust in? Do you believe? Because you're either with Jesus or you're against him. There's no, there's no in between. A divided house will fall. An empty vessel will be filled. Idols will keep you from Jesus. And sign seeking will keep you distracted. 
Choose today whom you will serve. Who is your God? If you're lukewarm, repent. I call you to repent because God desires that you not be lukewarm, but that you be hot or cold. Make up your mind. I pray that all of us choose to be just passionate about the Lord, completely committed, devoted to him. That if you don't know salvation, that today be the day of repentance. What do I do? Oh, you simply confess. Confess to him. Repent of your sins. That means turn from them and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Do you believe that? I pray you do. And and I pray that you understand that tomorrow, and I say this every time, tomorrow's not promised, tonight's not promised, this afternoon is not promised to anyone, let alone tomorrow. Today, settle in your hearts that you are going to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He would forgive you of your sins today. That's what he desires to do. That you would come to know salvation. So I'm going to ask that the worship team come up for the closing song. And I'm going to challenge you this morning. If you're lukewarm, if you find yourself in compromise, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then come up publicly declare that you belong to Jesus or that you are recommitting your life to the Lord and allow us to pray with you. I'm going to stand up here while we have this last song in closing. And then Stephen and Modesto will be here as well. So I pray that you would choose today whom you will serve. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for us. Lord, it was very plain as to how things actually work. Lord, these people were confused. Oh, they were in amazement with the miracles that were being performed. And yet, Lord, they misapplied by whose power these miracles were being performed discounting you in the midst of it and saying that this mute man was made well was made to speak because of the power of Satan truly Lord that is false the people who were looking for signs and Lord even there was an implication of idolatry there Lord may that not be what is present here amongst us. Lord, that we would be a people who clearly trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for salvation and daily living. Lord, that we would walk in your ways, abiding in Christ, and therefore glorify you and respond to the love that you first demonstrated to us by living our lives in a way that just honors you. Not because we have to, but because we get to that we choose to put off those things that are opposed to you and put on those things that honor you. And so, Lord, 
Lord, I pray that you would do a work of salvation this morning in any heart that, in any person that has not surrendered their lives to you, that this morning would be the day of salvation. For anyone who's lukewarm, Lord, uh, I ask, Father, that you would convict their hearts. Oh, Lord, that they would gladly lay all their burdens and their compromises behind and come and be encouraged that they would allow us to pray with them and encourage them in their decision to wholeheartedly give themselves to you. May that be a special work that you do this morning in each heart here today. Lord, whether the whole church comes or just a few, it does not matter, but I do pray that humility would, would overwhelm us, that we would not be, that not allow pride to hold us back from acting on that which you are doing this morning in our hearts, but that we would simply surrender to you in every way. In Jesus' name we pray.